just being here this morning and uh, listening to the worship and participating with you in that and, and then hearing Ruth's testimony. Uh, it's almost, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> uh, it's just wonderful to um, just to be together with you and to um, celebrate God's goodness among us and with you. And uh, thank you, Christine, for those words of music. It just really fits in very wonderfully with what I'd like to uh, share with you this morning. My, there we go. As you know, um, I've been walking with you through the book of Revelation. And um, maybe when I've spent some time with you over the last number of months walking through Revelation, you were uh, perhaps going home and not feeling too good. Uh, because I didn't always have good words to say. Uh, they're harsh words, um, words of judgment, of condemnation. And uh, last month when I was with you, we looked at the opening of the first six seals of the scrolls that we read about in the book of Revelation. In chapter 5, we heard about Jesus, the victorious Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, who is the one worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. And he was worthy because we've even testified of that already this morning, that uh, he purchased us, you and me, for God through his death and resurrection. And in chapter 6 of Revelation, the seals are opened one by one. And each of those seals reveals something about what is going to happen in the last days. I mean, these are the days that you and I are living in. The days before the second coming of Christ. And with the opening of the first four seals, we saw the horses and the four horsemen. The white horse, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse. And these horses, they tell us how God will allow human sin to come around full circle. It will turn in on itself and it will self-destruct. Yes, sinners in our world today will self-destruct. The closer we get to the second coming of Christ, we're going to see very much not an increase of things getting better, but an increase of things getting worse. We're going to see human beings that are going to be lusting for power and control, Wars will increase. There will be famines and economic instability. And the result will be that death will come to about one quarter of this world. So the Bible says. So we're talking about millions, if not billions of people will die. With the opening of the fifth seal, we learned how in the last days believers will be persecuted for their faith. If you are a follower of Jesus, you will be persecuted. Persecution will take place because believers will not back down from the word of God and the testimony, the witness of Jesus. And the martyrs who are there under the throne of God, they're going to cry out and they would say, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. How long, O Lord? And that's the cry that is going to be cried out in heaven, perhaps even cried out now. How long, O Lord? And with the opening of the sixth seal, we see the heavens and the earth shaken. I mean, the closer we get to the second coming of Christ, we're going to see an increase in natural disasters, earthquakes, hurricanes, and weird happenings in the sky. It's like we're reading our daily newspapers or hearing news reports of what's happening in our world today. Things are going to happen with the sun and the moon and the planets. And everyone on this small planet we call Earth will be united in fear. 
And all of this is going to happen because of sinful human beings. Things are going to get a whole lot worse the closer we get to the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. And this is not going to get, be easy for people to go through. The wars, the economic oppression, famines, plagues, persecution, and natural disasters. And with all of this death that is going to go on around us, as someone believes in Jesus, you might wonder, will I be able to stand in the last days, in the coming tribulation, the difficult times before the return of Christ? As a mother or grandmother, you might be worrying about your daughters, your sons, your grandchildren. I mean, you might die of old age before it really gets bad, but as a mom or a dad, you might wonder, will they be okay? Will they be able to get through those days, these last and terrible last days before the return of Christ? I often think about that myself. As a father of four children, seven grandchildren, I wonder what will they go through? And you might wonder about yourself and about others. Will you be able to stand? And that's how we ended last time I was with you in chapter 6. Because the question is asked in chapter 6, who can stand? Who can stand? And with that, we come to chapter 7. And that's the chapter we're going to look at this morning. And chapter 7 is an interlude. It's this little pause of time. This little quiet space. A short pause the first of a number of interludes that you see throughout the book of Revelation. And those interludes are very important. Because as believers, as we look at what's going to happen in the last days before the second coming of Christ and the end of the world, and we're going to see all of these things happening in the world, we need some comfort. We need some strength. We need to come to that place that Ruth found this past week. Was this past week? Right? Was it a few weeks ago? Where you came a few weeks ago, where... You had that sense of peace, that comfort, that strength, that someone was holding you and upholding you during this difficult time. So this chapter that I'm going to read to you right now from chapter 7 is meant to give us calm in the midst of fear, peace in the midst of the storm. Listen to what John tells us in Revelation 7. After this, he says, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any other tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard the number of all those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. After this I looked... 
And before me, there, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and people and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels who were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are those who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them, his covering over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of our God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our heart be truly found pleasing in your sight. You are that fortress that we just sang about, the one that we want to find shelter in. And we pray this morning as we open up these words that we will experience that shelter we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you picture in your mind what John saw? John first sees four angels, and they're standing at the four corners of the earth. Now, we know that the earth is round, but back in those days, they kind of thought the world was flat. I mean, they, and there you got the four corners of the earth, and the angels are standing there, and that's kind of their their way of understanding geography and science and all of that. But what, we've got to think about what were these angels doing there on the four corners of the earth? Just think all around the earth. What were they doing? Well, they were holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any winds from blowing on the land and on the sea and on any tree. Now, why? Why were they doing that? Well, an angel sent by God told the other angels that the Lord Almighty did not want any of his people, any harm to come on the land or on the sea or on the trees, and they had put the seal on the foreheads of the children of God. So here you have this picture, angels holding back the wind. Why? Because God wants to put his protection, his seal on his people. And here we hear about the sealing of the saints. And you might wonder, what's that all about? Well, in the book of Ezekiel, you read about the faithful receiving a mark on their foreheads. That's in the book of Ezekiel. And from Ezekiel, we know that they were given that mark on their forehead so that God would, when God would pour out judgment on the earth, he, that judgment would not come upon them. And that's the idea here. Before God would allow judgments to come upon the earth, all the saints would receive a mark, the seal of God on their foreheads. And once the seventh seal is opened, the seventh and the last seal, 
And, and when that would open and unravel all the rest of the events that are going to happen before the return of Christ. But before that, seventh seal could be opened. The saints needed to be sealed. They needed to have that mark on their foreheads. Now that's true of all believers. They are marked by God. If you are a believer, you are marked by God. I mean, Ephesians 1, verse 13, we have this, these words, having believed, you are marked in Christ Jesus with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We sang a little bit about that this morning, about the power of God that is in us and on us. That's the Holy Spirit, the dunamis of God, the power of God. That's true of you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is placed upon you the seal of God, the mark of the Holy Spirit on your foreheads. And when the terrible things described in chapter 6 and in chapters 8 and following, when all of that will happen, you will be protected. I'll talk a little bit more about that protection in just a few moments, but first of all, who's included in that number? Well, listen to what John hears. And we read about that in verse 4. He said, I hear a number of those that were sealed. And he gives us this number, 144,000. Now, what's that all about? Well, the number of 144,000 is the number of completeness. There's 12 tribes in Israel, Israel, and if you multiply 12 times 12, you get 144. And if you multiply 10 plus 10, plus 10 you get the number of completeness, which is the number of 1,000. And 144 times 1,000 is 144,000. Just do the math. This number is not a statistic, but a symbol. Let me explain. Israel does not refer to the Jewish nation alone. It's a symbol of all believers, Jewish and Gentile alike. Christians in the New Testament were called the New Israel, God's people. And 144,000 is a symbol of the complete number of all of God's people. That would include all of believers, Jews and Gentiles, you and me. This number represents the complete number of those who will be saved. The complete number. In other words, that reminds you and me that no one will be left out. Not one. All believers will receive that mark. If you are a believer in Jesus, you will receive that mark. You have that mark upon you. And... No one can take that away. But notice the list of tribes that we have in verses 5 and 8. I wonder if when you heard that this morning, you said, well, that's just a bunch of numbers, right? And you get all these tribes of Israel. Was there anything strange? Did you notice anything? Yeah, Dan is left out. You pick that. Dan is left out. See, Dan was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. In Dan's place, we have one of the sons of Joseph, Manasseh, added in. Dan is missing from this list for a particular reason. If you read anything in the Old Testament, you know that Dan was a sinful tribe which fell deep into idolatry and spread that idolatry all throughout the people of Israel. You read about that in Judges 18 and 1 Kings 2. And because of their sin, they led a lot of people away from God, and instead they worshipped idols. 
Dan becomes a symbol of people who turn away from the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And so the message is very clear here in Revelation. The number of believers will be complete, but heed the warning. That number will not include those who have turned their back on Jesus. Those who turn their back on the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. That's the theme that you see throughout the book of Revelation. It begins in the beginning of John in Revelation chapter 1, where John was in exile. Why was John in exile? Because he held on to the Word of God, right, the Bible. He held on to the Word of God, and he did not back down from the testimony of Jesus. And that becomes the mark of a true believer. You hold on to the Word of God, and you don't back down from his testimony. And people who don't do that will not be included in that number. They will not be protected from the coming judgment. But then notice what John sees. John looks again, and before him was a great multitude that no one could number. See, the complete number of those who will be saved is not just 144,000. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a symbolic number just to say it's going to be complete. But the number of people that are going to be saved are going to be too many to count. John sees the crowd that extends farther than his eye could see and numbered more than his fingers could count. There was just too many people to count. And this great multitude that John sees represents all those who come through the time of tribulation and what a large group that will be. Don't ever have the idea that the number of people that will be saved, that will go through the tribulation and will be there when Jesus Christ returns. It's just going to be small. That The number of believers are going to be few. Some years ago, I went down to Washington, D.C. There was a Promise Keepers event. It was called a Stand in the Gap. I mean, there were more than a million people, a million men in that crowd. Not just women, just men, Christian men. And I remember standing there, and I was thinking of Revelation 7, because as far as I could see, you know, there, you know, before Washington Monument, uh, I couldn't see the, the, the extent of all of those people who were Christ followers. And that, to me, is a picture of what will be like when Christ returns of the elect of God standing before the throne of God. There will be so many faithful believers there, so many that no one would be able to count them. So let me ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that He is your Lord and He's your Savior? Do you hold on to the Word of God? I mean, do you read it? Do you apply it? Do you stand by it? Do you back down from the testimony of your mouth? I mean, do people around you in your family and in your workplaces and in your community, do they know that you are a follower of Jesus because he, they hear from you the testimony of Jesus? And when the going gets tough, when you might even be a little bit ridiculed for standing up for Jesus Christ, do you back down from your testimony or do you hold on to that testimony? Well, if you... Hold on to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus and have surrendered your heart to Christ. And I tell you, you'll be sealed for a great and wonderful day. 
In spite of all the terrible things that might happen in the last days, you have the mark of God on your forehead. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the power of God inside of you. And you'll be part of the crowd that no one can count. And that crowd would make that million stand-in-the-gap event in Washington, D.C. just seem like minuscule. But there's more. Look at this multitude. Where do they come from? Well, look what John sees. This large multitude of people were made up of people from every tribe, every nation, every language, every people. And there they would be standing before the throne of God and in front of Jesus. People from every language, nation, and tribe. All kinds of people. Every nation, every people group. And you'll be there too. Imagine yourself standing around the throne of God and there would be with you men, women, and children from all over the world speaking all kinds of different languages. And there they are worshiping God. You know, people from Mongolia, Uganda, Chile, Poland, Albania, Iran, United States, Argentina, Burundi, Oman, Turkey. Or I guess... In those days, it will be Turkey. They changed their name. I mean, Holland, Russia, Indonesia, Canada, Haiti, Cuba, and all the nations of the world, including Australia. And some Kiwis as well. I mean, they're going to be gathered around the throne of God. I mean, it's going to be wonderful. We'll be standing there before the throne of God, and we're worshiping God in our own languages, in every tongue, every nation. What a sight will that be? And on that day, it wouldn't matter if you were Baptist or Pentecostal or Brethren or Missionary, Roman Catholic or Mennonite, Calvinist or Arminian, Presbyterian or Uniting Church, Reformed Baptist, Dutch Reformed, Canadian Reformed, Orthodox Reformed, Presbyterian Reformed, United Reformed, or Christian Reformed. It wouldn't really matter because there you would be together around the throne of God, worshiping Him. And all that matters is whether or not you have held on to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And you'll be standing there around that throne, and your children will be there, and your grandchildren will be there, and you might have gone through the great tribulation, wars and famines and plagues and natural disasters, but because of the mark of God on your forehead and the Holy Spirit in your heart, you'll be there standing. Standing. Remember the question that was asked in the last verse of chapter 6? Who can stand? Who can stand? Well, believers will be standing. All those who will be sealed by God. And there they will be standing around the throne of God and they'll be wearing white robes. White is a symbol of purity, not their own purity. Look at verse 14. No, they would be wearing the purity that they would receive from God. They have come out of the tribulation. They have washed their robes and they've been made white in the blood of the Lamb. It's the purity of Christ. His righteousness will be their garment. And there they will be out there before God and they'll be holding palm branches. It'll be a time of festive rejoicing. They will sing aloud in a loud, loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all of heaven joins into this chorus. The angels, the elders, the four living creatures, they all worship God and they say, Amen. Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever and ever and ever.
Do you get the picture yet? You might be so concerned about the last days, worried about what will happen, what will happen to you and to your loved ones. Do you know, my friends, there's no need to be afraid of the coming tribulation. I just love your testimony just even today, you know, Ruth, just to, you know, yeah, this was not necessarily disaster and, 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 and wars and famines, but, you know, when things happen to us, no matter what it is, you can come to that place of peace, not being afraid. Because if you are a believer, you're washed in the blood of the land. If you hold on to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus, then you'll have the mark of God on your forehead, the Holy Spirit in your life, and you'll be sealed for that last day. You'll be numbered among the great multitude. And you'll experience eternal bliss. And notice what eternity will look like. You look at verses 15 through 17, and this is how John ends chapter 7. You'll be in the presence of God. You'll worship God day and night. You never will be hungry again. You never will be thirsty again. Jesus will lead you to the living water. And that, if you, in Revelation, you get this picture of this life-giving water. You know what that life-giving water is? is that it's the water that runs out of God himself. That God's life will be in you. His fullness will be in you. That's what living water represents. It doesn't represent just natural water that we drink. No, it's talking about the living water. It's talking about his life. And because of that, Jesus will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Every tear. My friends, the Christian life is a life with a happy ending. We might go through tough days ahead, and they're going to be tough. But God's going to make it up to us in the end. No matter the trials, no matter the tribulations, no matter the days of distress, no matter the suffering, there's coming a day when all believers will be dressed in the righteousness of Christ. And they will stand before the throne of God with a multitude of too many to come. I'm looking forward to that day. Do you? What about you? Will you be there? <laughs> Will you be standing before the throne of God on that day? Well, my friends, hold on to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And God tells us, you'll be there too. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for this interlude in the book of Revelation where we have this wonderful snapshot, this picture of what's going to happen, but beyond that, how you're going to guide us and help us to the end. And so, Lord, may we, each and every one that's here today, when we think of our extended family, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our fellow Australians, oh, Lord, we just pray that they too may be counted among that great, great multitude who are before the throne. And so, Lord, help us to keep holding on to your word of God and the testimony of Jesus until you come. In Jesus' name, amen.